0: From the iHeart Radio studios in New York City, come fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things guns and roses and anything else distorted. Because you know where the fuck you are! This is Appetite for Distortion. Try to-
1: And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando. Episode 44. Holy balls! I can't believe I've been doing 44 episodes of talking about guns and roses. Uh, first, uh, before we get to my co-host slash guest for episode uh, 44, first got to send out a quick thank you for uh, episode 43 to Rod Jackson, of course, from uh, Slash's Snake Pit. What an awesome conversation we had and... Uh, he said he's sending me a gift. He asked for my actual snail mail address, so he may be sending me his solo record or a severed head. I don't know what he's sending me in the mail. Hopefully, it's not a severed head. If it's a severed head, I'm going to be very upset. Uh, so, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's uh, great information about recording with Slash. And I got to thank a couple news outlets that picked it up, especially AlternativeNation.net. Uh, that Rod mentioned that Chris Cornell once auditioned for Slash the Snake Pit. So that is kind of cool to imagine, perhaps, in an alternate universe, in the multiverse, perhaps. There is another version of Sna- Slash's Snake Pit with uh, an alive Chris Cornell <laughs> and Slash. But uh, let's not go down that, down that uh, depressing, uh, depressing route. Let's get into—well, uh, actually, this conversation might get depressing at times. But I, we're going to keep it as fun and interesting as possible. Because on the phone with me right now is someone that I've been wanting to talk to, not just since I've had a Guns N Roses podcast— Roxana Shirazi, first of all, you can say hello, so you're not just standing, sitting idly by. How do you do? How do you do? Oh, that was very Mary Poppins of you. How are you?
2: <laughs> I'm all right, thank you very much. It's nice to talk to you. You're
1: calling from the UK, right?
2: Yeah, I'm quite, yeah, I It's really dark and late. And it's like one of those gothic Edgar Allan Poe January evenings.
1: Ooh, I like it. I, I envision the UK constantly being like that, and rain, <laughs> yeah.
2: Rainy, but it's January. I love gothic, sort of like dark evenings. I love that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Poe. So I, I kind of – I write better when it's long evenings like this. I don't write very well in the summer because it's all happy and cheery. And I'm very creative when it's all gothicy and dark outside.
1: I get that. When I've – and I'm not going to compare myself to you because you've actually published a book and working on your second one, which we'll get to. But when I've – Attempted to write my book. I mean, I have 30 pages, but I will get back to it in, at some point. But it's always about that atmosphere. So, and you've lived in a lot of different atmospheres. So again, I want to uh, get to that a little bit. But with uh, Roxana Shirazi, this was years ago when I first started my radio career, and I was working up in Cape Cod. And there was probably like a two-year period when I was really into reading uh, rock star autobiographies. Uh, the first one I read, and this was like actually. My first radio job, when I had to do a 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. shift, and I'm sitting on the subway in the train, I'm reading The Dirt. And that was like my introduction to, I don't want to say books, I'm not illiterate, but it was like it instilled this reading phase in me. And that's when I got Slashes, and that's when I got Tommy Lee's, and both written by, I believe, a friend of yours, right? Anthony Boza, who co-wrote those?
2: Uh, Yeah, 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 Anthony wrote um, both of those. He's he's done a few. He was he does a lot of uh, celebrity sort of biographies, and so does Neil. Neil's done um, Marilyn Manson's book as well.
1: Yeah, Neil and, Strauss, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've both done a lot of rock and roll sort of biographies. And yeah. this
1: all ties together, which is just it's just weird. It's all again that what this podcast is six degrees of Kevin Bacon, you know, G and R Bacon, whatever you want to say. So years yeah. ago, I'm going through this reading phase. So I picked up Slashes. I picked up Tommy Lee's. Uh, I picked up, I picked um, the game, which was Neil Strauss's, and this was a time in my life, and this is why it's interesting for me to talk to you, a different, or at least, n- quote unquote, have you in my life in different phases of my life.
2: Oh, you're so sweet. I want to <laughs> And a big kiss. Oh well,
1: well, next time you'll come in studio, we'll do that. All right. Uh, I, definitely,
2: I love New York. I went there. I went to New York University, and yeah. I loved. Um, my time in New York, and it's my favorite city in the U.S. And next time we'll go and, you know, we'll, um, have some intellectual debates together.
1: Yeah, and this this will be the first one. That's what I want this to be, because they were, and I told you off the air, some people that were concerned about this episode, because they may not know your book.
2: Uh, Rednecks, from that live-in trailer pub. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> Something like that,
2: yes. I hate uneducated people. Some people are not educated because they don't have the means, which is fine. But some people are deliberately misogynistic and hate women women hating people it just it's like living in the witch trials of the 16th century let's bash women because men are more superior
1: yes (laughs) it's it's definitely a very weird world that we're living in now especially with all the me too stuff and you know again that's what we want to talk about because the me too things are happening now not so much in the rock world. I mean, you hear about Gene Simmons, surprise, surprise, but your book has been out for a long time covering a lot of these uh, topics, which was, in addition to the GNR uh, ties, another reason why I just wanted to talk to you. So going back to the different phases of my life when you, quote-unquote, have been in my life, early 20s, you know, very still kind of shy to talk to girls. You know, I would go on dates. I'd have girlfriends, but it really wasn't... Um, I don't want to say a prude, but I definitely... W- your book would kind of shock me. I wouldn't go out of my way to buy a book that says slut on it. That's just not, wasn't me. I was not a Howard Stern fan. It's not
2: just, me either. I didn't choose that title.
1: Well, I, I look, well, that's interesting, but it's the subtitle and everything else is what needs to be focused on anyway. So uh, I, I see this book in the corner of my eye, and it's, it has a Guns N' Roses logo on it. And I'm like, who is this trying to, quote unquote, trying to get money off Guns N' Roses? and then i i read I find out about you more about you but I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit with the Neil Strauss thing and if people don't know and have read his book the game, it's basically the Bible if you don't know how to talk to women, but it's more of not just like a how to because he even explains and there's a lot of rock and roll stuff in there stories about corny love and uh it's more of just how to manipulate women and how he just needed to get out of it because it was it was just, it was gross like he
2: how to fuck women without really trying?
1: Yeah, and just taking advantage of them. And again, it Doing was, on yeah. them. It was yeah. it, it. was interesting to me, and it, it gave me confidence just because Neil Strauss is, you know, I guess kind of like me, five six. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I finally shaved my head. He shaved his head. So I mean, there were like little things here and there. So when I I, I saw this book with the R logo on it, that's yours, and uh, it's a childhood photo of you, right, with the uh, the Burke
2: on. Yeah, yes, that's the cover. That's the cover that's banned in England. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the original cover. Me as a ten-year-old in Iran in my passport photo, and um, that is the original cover. And England wouldn't let any bookshops have it. Wouldn't let. Wouldn't let it us uh, bring it here. It's, you know, it's just no. There's no freedom of expression in this country.
1: Interesting, and I guess obviously can't help but think of the parallel with Guns N' Roses and their initial cover and that being banned. Uh, but uh, as we will get into, they obviously inspired you in more ways than one. Uh, so when I, I found out more about you and you know had Anthony Boza, you know, kind of, uh, I, I don't know if he was in the same publisher as you, and, and Neil Strauss kind of helped you a little bit with your publication. I'm like, all right, I like their books, I respect their opinions. I got to find out more about this girl, this woman. And the, and when I left, I'm like, okay, the last living slut. Born in Iran, born in Iran, bred backstage, and just the more I, I read about it and who you are, and it's a word that we we can probably start here, uh, and just just dismiss it right away, is the hmm. word groupie.
2: Groupie, I, I mean, I, I want I'm, I'm the I'm the rock star. I have my own groupies. <laughs> right. Too wild to be a groupie. Groupie is a very subservient, a uh, secondary role. I want the main role. I want to be the one that does things and people do things for me why would i want to be a kitten when i'm a tiger you know <laughs> why aspire to be a sort of secondary role surely you want to be i mean i don't understand this people women who want to be groupies because it's like saying i want to be the servant um, not the master you know do you know what i mean it's really alien to me and i kind of like the idea that you're the rock star you're the one that's amazing does things in the world that break barriers break taboos um are an activist that's what um you know constitutes a rock star for me i don't necessarily on a stage you know um group right. to me is like being a housewife nothing wrong with housewives mind but it's just not for me you
1: know. <laughs> no I, I got it and uh and, and again reading through your different relationships um and i know i'm just giving a quick overview now at the beginning of it your approach i mean to and to meeting a band and to meeting a guy it was somewhat sometimes just different. Where you know you fall in love with somebody, and you know just like me, I'm attracted to the uh, the rock star life, but I can't play an instrument, so I be- became a radio DJ because I suck. So I figured, okay, let me play music on the air, since I can't play it on the stage. But I like being in that world, you know, and then hanging out with my friends in local bands. Uh, and I never lied about any of that. I don't pretend to be in the band. I don't pretend to be something I'm not, and I never got that instance from you. And I really related. Obviously, I did not grow up in Iran. I grew up in you know Jewtown, Long Island. But just being, oh. <laughs> but just uh, being, I don't know, not confident in yourself, and your, in your, how you were through your adolescence. And uh, I told you off the air, and I'll bring it up. Uh, here and I don't want to have my interview skills to be like this. I watched your interview with the Young Turks, who were mainly political-based uh, show, and it was just um, I, I'm just trying. He didn't when you first said like your parents were like political prisoners. He was like shocked by that. It's like did you read the book even? Because he just kept wanting to focus like, you know, did you sleep with with Axel? Do you know how many how many how many band members did you fuck? So I kind of want to yeah, get a
2: sense. Guns and Roses is what I get all the time.
1: And what did I say to you off air? I don't give a shit. Like- <laughs>
2: um, do you know what it is? It's it's I, I'm, it's just so boring to me. It is so boring. I, I can't even. Um, you know, I'm I'm doing my PhD in uh, gender theory and political theory. If people ask me about fucked all of guns and I just it's like it's yeah, whatever. Um, you know, it's it's kind of. Uh, I put myself forward. I took a great risk in writing a book that was a performance of dissent to challenge dominant narratives and to uh, break boundaries and taboos, especially for women. Um, it, it was it, in, on so many levels, this was me putting myself like a, almost like a performance art exercise, whereas I am writing about taboo issues in Iran, child sexual abuse, Domestic violence. Um, I am deconstructing commonly stood norms about gender, about being a Middle Eastern woman, and about the rock and roll world. The myths that surround the rock and roll world. I was actually unpacking them and trying to. And and, you know, I I didn't do myself any favors because I was open to attack. Because um, women's sexuality is so problematic at in the 21st century it's like living in Saudi Arabia when you're in the West. Women's sexuality is is the vilification and demonization of women taken to an extreme. Um, Men are idolized for um, extreme acts of misogyny and sexual misconduct. And because they are famous, Um, women aren't. Women are absolutely demonized. Um, So I, I kind of But this book, it wasn't just about the music. It was about gender issues, about identity issues, about child sexuality, about uh, racism. When I came to to England, I was constantly racially bullied. And I put myself raw out there. And I wasn't happy about the title. It was nothing to do with what the book was about. Um, And Neil Strauss was very adamant that I should have that title. That was his idea. I was like, I don't understand what it is. I don't. And so I had to write an introduction about what the term slut means in this society. War and slut are applied to women because they are the bad guy. They are bad for wanting to have sex. Men, no, it's part of their masculinity. It's nature. Women, no, you're, ev- you're like a pedophile if you have lots of graphic sex. Men, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, what a stud. What a rock star, you know. So I wanted to kind of, i uh, pose the question of why is this in this society that there's so many stupid people? Um, so I, I put myself out there, and I think it's a very courageous thing for me to do because I knew I would be open to attack. So it was so much stuff about so many issues, and this um, people think that rock and roll is this place. It's not. Maybe in the 60s, with Led Zeppelin, it was a bit debaucherous and free-spirited with the Rolling Stones. It's not now. It's a very sanitized kind of misogynistic office where women's role is actually um, demoted to a kind of a, a different a lower sort of level than a man. It's not this free-spirited utopian place where everyone can be anyone, be happy, free love, free sex, yeah, party. It's not that place at all. It's extremely asexual and sanitized place it's not and sex is such a huge secret it's a taboo sex is taboo and it's made into an extremely secretive concept um you know people like Jimmy Page and Robert Plum used to talk about the Um, the the girls they were with. It was an open thing. I slept with her, you know, uh, Stones guys did that, you know, in the 60s and 70s. The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, all of this. And and then even sort of 80s, we come to Motley Crue and the Guns N' Roses era. They openly talked about women that had sex. But now it is uh, like you lock it up. You lock up sexuality. You don't talk about it. It It's so, it's like, literally it's like Saudi Arabia. We're in a weird
1: place here in in America as far as what you can say, what you can't say, what's um, what's consent, what's not consent. I mean, we shouldn't be having these conversations. I mean, there are you know you could, there are miscommunications that happen, but I mean again, we'll we'll get into this um, as with this conversation to continue. But I want to get uh, take a few steps uh, a few steps back, and I don't want to ruin the book for anyone who hasn't picked it up because it's been out for a while. And shame on you if you haven't read it yet especially if you're a Guns N' Roses fan, even though there are some hard things to read in there about some of our favorite GNR people. Uh, So without giving, I guess, anything away too much, let's start back um, when you left, because you were raised, your parents raised you, right? And then it was your grandmother that you you left Iran with. So again, I don't want you to give too much away, but just a little bit of a background to where we are, how we got to where we are now.
2: Um, Yeah, I was born in Iran in 1973. And um, I, yeah, I mean, my, my, pe- my mother, I didn't really have a dad, my dad was a drug addict, but my mom was a massive political activist. I went to prison with her as a political activist when I was six months old. And from then on, my childhood was beautiful, Iran is beautiful, I mean, fruit trees everywhere. Beauty. There's a massive beautiful Persian culture of, uh, of a very family focused um, culture of support. And it's kind of like Mediterranean Italians, how Greeks are. And I was surrounded by family, but um, it was a time of the revolution. So there was a lot of political activity. And I would um, frequently go and visit my my mother's side of the family in prison um, because they had demonstrated against the Shah, the king. So I was brought up through that. I I was given my first political book for children when I was six.
1: I had Hop on Pop, which is pretty much the same thing.
2: (laughs) but no I was um, I have very intellectual mother and I have I had a you know very intellectual uncles and they really educated me from a young age it was very important for them that I have the mass possible and be aware of human rights about injustice inequality that was really really instilled in me from a young age so Yes, and then I, my grandmother was a huge presence in my life. She was extremely maternal, um, very happy-go-lucky lady, extremely beautiful and stylish. And then I was sent to England, and she accompanied me, and then she died. So I was very alone um, in England as a 10-year-old, um, and I was bullied constantly. I was called the N-word a lot. I didn't even know what it meant, and I had to look up in the dictionary and go, what does that word?" and I was like, well, I'm not black. But anyway, they called me that. <laughs> hmm. And um, I, I it was really funny because I was such a geeky, well-read child. And they used to bully me because I was geeky. So um,
1: <laughs> see, I, I, I identify with that part of it. Yes.
2: Yes. I, I, I thought that I, I, in order to make friends, I started wearing skirts and uh, with no like um, no socks or anything to show my legs. And I got more friends that way.
0: <laughs>
2: it's so funny. Yeah, me but too. yeah. So that was kind of my up to the age of 10, 11, and then um, then I started living in England.
1: During that, that time when you're learning about uh, culture and activism, w- were you listening to music at the same time? Like, w- Did your uh, your mother or your grandmother instill any sort of music in you at that time as well?
2: Well, my grandmother had died when she came to England. Well, I didn't know of
1: anything before. I mean, growing up, I, I mean, was, was there... I... Was there an Iranian version of like Rafi or something? You, what did you listen to when you were like a little kid?
2: Iranian music. Okay, all right.
1: I was trying to see where like uh, the path of how it got to you know uh, G uh, being your, your first love. So that's that's where I'm going with it.
2: Um, you know, well, so when I was in England, I really liked. Um, I was in love with George Michael. <laughs> okay and um and michael jackson and i discovered guns N' roses sort of quite early on but it wasn't uh, i wasn't looking at listening to the music i was looking at axel and um and getting um kind of uh, sexual feelings <laughs> i was about 11 11 12 so you know maybe a bit older but then i started to get into their music i was still a bit scared of them okay i mean i they were quite. I mean, it's. It, it wasn't like something I, I listened to. Madonna. I wanted to be like Madonna. I thought she was very strong. Didn't give a shit. But um, I, I like Guns N' Roses. But at, at, at the time, yeah, I, I was. I knew. You know, I listened to them. But um, it was mainly Axel Rose that I was in love with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he gave me my first orgasm. I mean, not him literally, because you know he's not a pedo. But um, he, I had my first orgasm because I. I was about, God, uh, yeah, I was pretty, you know, young and um, looked at him and um, sort of made myself come from Axl Rose's image.
1: (laughs) I think, not like anyone cares, but it's probably more funny, but I think my first was to uh, Topanga from Boy Meets World.
2: Oh, God, really? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, if if you want to know that, now you do.
0: Topanga, my honey. May I call you honey? No.
1: So then th- that's interesting because for me, again, growing up in the path of how I became a G&R fan and eventually doing a podcast about it, just like you, uh, my mom tells me the story of when I was two years old uh, dancing to wake me up before you go, go uh, in my, my crib. So I was George Michael. I was Michael Jackson uh, as I got older, Green Day. Then, of course, GNR. There was something that resonated to me about Axel and about Slash. So you obviously had that, that too. So was he, with that, was it uh, in addition to it being a, a sexual experience, did that make you want to go more into that world of being uh, in rock and roll? Was, did that was that kind of the same experience in your mind to you?
2: I was very I was very geeky as as a, I was very sexual as a child, um, very very sexual, but I didn't have se- I didn't t- I didn't have sex until I was twenty four.
1: But you but had uh, unfor- and I want people to read, but you had some uh, I don't know how to phrase it, but you had things happen to you when you were a, ch- a, a child.
2: No, but what, what you know? There's the age old question: What came first, chicken or the egg? I don't think that made me sexual. Oh, that um, wasn't. No, I wasn't, I wasn't the- even
1: implying that. I was just saying, in just in general, things that have happened to you. Just to, again, I, know, but
2: I don't think. I people think you you are sexual because you're abused. That,
1: that is, is true. That thing. is true. I I did get some of those questions of, and
2: it's yeah. so, and so offensive to me, and it's so offensive to women who are sexual and haven't been abused, why does there have to be a reason for women to be sexual? Do you go and ask um, Tommy Lee, Why was he abused? Because you're so sexual, Tommy Lee. You're right. Were you you're abused right. as a child? Well, because why are you sexual? <laughs> there's got to be a reason.
0: You're
2: right. Um, we live in such a back world. It saddens me immensely. Um, there's got to be a reason. But anyway, um, so um, no, I wasn't like that. I didn't want to go into that world. I was just... I wanted to read lots of books and do. I wrote my first book when I was about 14, about the street kids of Brazil, and I just loved writing and reading and being a geek. You know, <laughs> I wasn't into like going and having going out to clubs or bars. I was really scared. I was always at home.
1: So in the end, you always wanted to be an author? Did you always know or poetry or just something in writing?
2: Be, I wanted to be an actress. I, I did. I went to theater school as a child, and then I went to drama school when I was an adult. And I did a lot of plays. I was very shy with people, but when I was on stage, I came to life. I I loved. That was where my I felt more comfortable on a stage. I got you. And, oh, like oh.
1: I, and like I said, I read your book like seven, eight years ago. So I didn't want to reread it because I wanted to be surprised by certain things. So um, I don't want anyone listening. Like he said, he read the book. How does he not know that? Like so I, it's been a, it's been a while. I can barely remember what I had for for breakfast this morning. Oh,
0: uh, it's okay.
1: So, um, so then when did you, when did that kind of, kind of cross paths with you? If you were still nerdy and geeky and you didn't want to go out to clubs you your, you know, uh, double clicking your mouse to, to Axel, uh, poster of Axel. That was mm. probably not funny as I thought it was in my head. Uh, <laughs> when did, like, when did those worlds meet did, or did it take a while?
2: Well, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: So when was, um, when was it? Like, what was your first concert? Do you remember what your first like concert was? What that experience was like?
2: Concert? I, I didn't go to concerts. Honestly, oh, sure. I listened to music. I loved The Doors. The Doors were my first kind of absolute adoration of Jim Morrison. I was about fifteen or sixteen, uh, and then Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen because I love lyrics. Lyrics have to be extremely beautiful sure. and poetic. Right. I loved always loved Sylvia Plath, um, and I loved. Um, anything that resonated with me. And it was Leonard Cohen and Joe Morrison's um, poetry. So I, I, that's important for me. And, and that's when I started to go into the doors Leonard Cohen, both I absolutely have adored. And then I didn't really go to any concerts to be honest. It's really strange, isn't it? I, I just wasn't that kind of outgoing. I, you know, I had so many problems at home. I was getting beaten a lot by my stepfather. I ran away from home. I was about 15. And then I went to London and became a stripper, and in my school uniform, which weirdly, and this the thing is, I was really had a kind of a double life because, inside, I was very well read and shy. But the only thing that made me come out was if I was on a stage, and um, I remember doing a lot of talent shows. I was, you know, um, doing a lot of singing and stuff, and I wasn't shy when it came to that. But when I, when it came to people, I was quite. And I'm painfully shy, you know. So I never went to concerts, did normal teenage stuff at all. At all.
1: Where do you think the uh, the shyness came from? Was that?
2: I've always been really shy.
1: But like you said, I mean, you weren't really shy. But where do you th- with that double life? Where do you think that the double
0: yeah, life came I
2: from? I am actually a really shy person. I'm not. I'm not easy around people. I'm easy if I'm on a stage. Or on a on a platform where I am performing this Roxana persona, it is like a it is like a performance. The real me is that uh, I like to sit at home, make food, do a bit of knitting, sit in my pajamas. I'd love to be a housewife. That's the real me. Okay. Um, the persona, like the Roxana performance, is like a it is like a alter ego. Um, I mean, I need to do it because I, there's definitely a extrovert side to me, but it's a performance. I'm not extroverted in life. Like if I, that's why when I lecture at universities, I teach, I feel comfortable because I have like people to, to say things to. But if you put me in a house party with people, I couldn't, I don't like it at all.
1: I'm the I same guess. way. I'm the same way. I prefer Brandon in real life. I know I say Brando, whatever. That's just the radio thing. It just sounds cooler, I guess. And Brandon, Jewish kid and talking on the radio, Brando just sounds more rock and roll but if i'm out in a party i'm very shy and very reserved to myself but once like a microphone goes on i don't know i feel like weekend at bernie's i just kind of just do it (laughs) i just like just do it you know just kind of happen so i can relate to that as well i never i never stripped my i don't have the abdomen for that though
2: It's fine and i disappoint a lot of people because they think that um like they meet you know people who have read my book or people, well not people who have read my book because people who have read my book see that I'm quite political and quite anti-misogyny and I'm and an activist but people who um, meet me who think I'm a fun rock chick, they're sorely disappointed I tell you <laughs> it's, um, I'm not that persona, I'm not, I'm not at all
1: <laughs> I actually, I think it's quite charming because again I was watching different interviews with you yesterday uh, in addition to that Young Turks one, I think one was with the I want to say it was with the late Alan Combs. Might have been on Fox.
2: Oh, Alan! Oh, yeah. so
1: he went yeah. to uh, my college. He uh, went to Hofstra as well, but he is even kind of asking you, like he seemed like surprised about you. You know that they, they expect this crazy chick to come in hanging off a chandelier. You know, uh, just rock stars on each one of her arms, and you're just like this. <laughs> a, a, you're a normal woman. You're normal. I mean, you. You're. I mean, when you read your books, you're not. You're not normal in the best ways. Uh, but coming off, you don't come in like you're the female version of David Lee Roth. You don't like
2: it's, but I think a lot uh, I've met every rock star, probably there is, and not many of them are that person at all, right at all. So they are not you, you think you get so dis- you don't get disappointed, but you think, hey, you are like another human being. <laughs> like is there somebody else that impersonating this guy? You know, because <laughs> I've met so many people that I've loved. In, uh, whose music have loved and music is the staple we, we're talking about the lifestyle but music is what people uh, brings people together and they love these rock stars for it um, you know and then you meet those people and they're absolutely nothing like that persona at all uh, these you know all these rock fans who listen to uh, GNr Motley Crue uh, Van Halen Kiss or you know whatever and then they just don't know. They don't know. No. They think these people are proper rock stars. Honey, I've got news for you, man. <laughs> well, oh, my God. They're like my dad.
1: <laughs> well, that's a, another reason why I want to do this podcast. It's like, yeah, I, I love you know Axel and Slash and, and rock and roll, but these are all people. And, and to go deeper, and it go, coincides with your, your lyric comment. Uh, Is just to go deeper behind the people who wrote these lyrics, who made these pieces of music, because it's not, there's more to it than what's just on the cover, so to speak. Uh, so when did you, unless I'm missing something, you can tell me and just interject, but when did you, I guess, decide, uh, like, maybe that's, I want to meet a rock star, I want to meet somebody.
2: I, I didn't, it happened by accident.
1: It happened by accident, okay, so we'll, we'll, then tell us us to that.
2: be honest... I just thought of, I really this is honestly saying I thought of rock stars as just dirty and a uh, drug addled and beneath me and that sounds really arrogant I didn't think that I thought I would want to meet an academic person or someone who is I can actually have an intellectual conversation with um, and I didn't think of um, I want to meet I didn't, but it happened by accident and it was like um, um it was just one of the members of stereophonics Um at my friend's house, he was Phonics' manager, and uh, one of the members was in his house, and um, yeah, it just was by accident, and I had fun, it was fun. And I just saw, after that, I saw, looking back, and then I went to see uh, Velvet Revolver on the whole tour I hung out with. I was on the whole Velvet Revolver tour in 2005, and then Steven Adler's band, and I'm on tour again into Ireland, everywhere. And I just, I just it just, just fell in. I don't know. I didn't. I think it's because I wasn't desperately wanting that. I wanted to. Fu- you see, I. You see, that's the reason because I never went to clubbing. And I, I never was a, went to bars and stuff. Rock and roll became my escape from my geeky existence of quietness. It became like my my um, stage. It was like fun, and I could be this persona. So I clung on to it. It was fun. I, I thought it was fun. Um, <laughs> but then, right. sadly it's not the 60s and 70s and it's certainly not the mid 80s everyone was sober and clean and there was no debauchery and I and I made the debauchery myself you know I thought <laughs> fuck it I want to have some fun now I'm a bit old I'm gonna I started quite old compared to a lot of people so um that's when I kind of let go you know I lost my virginity at 24 and then I started my sort of, not wild, but I started coming out of my shell. Sure.
1: Then would you say, I know you met bands before Velvet, like bigger, like it's called bigger bands. uh Avenged Sevenfold, right? You you became friends with them or, and Buck Cherry before you met the Guns guys? Because, yeah, obviously it's the Guns and Roses podcast, so I'm just trying to, again, just build a bridge there.
2: Yeah, I met Avenged Sevenfold before. Uh, Buck Cherry, no, I met Buck Cherry after I met Guns and Roses. And... um. Yeah, I can't remember. There's so many. I can't remember. I mean, um, there was, uh, what's the, Papa Roach was after that. and um, Yeah, so. Well,
1: I want to give an insight to, I mean, yes, G&R is on the book, on the cover of the book, and uh, it's obviously the focal uh, point of the podcast, but there's just a lot of uh, other bands that are mentioned in the book that a lot of people would be interested in hearing about. So I just want to, I just want to, you know, cover those bands as well. Just kind of mention them. There is there, I, I we don't have to talk about it here, but there is one part of your story with Buck Sherry that is heartbreaking, shocking. It just, it, it, you know, it, it needs a lot of setup, and to read your book is the best way to do it. And I don't think uh, to get, th- I would be doing it, um, I wouldn't be doing it justice. That, and you obviously know what you're talking, I'm talking about. So I would just recommend to people to. Uh, to pick up the book and read her story from uh, cover to cover in addition to this podcast. But that particular scene with Buck Sherry is something that is still instilled to me, uh, to me in this day and just where, you know, your mindset was at and who you are as a person. Um,
2: you know, I'm a human being, human you, beings, absolutely. Women, women aren't glossy Barbie dolls. Women are human beings. Some of them do certain things, certain way. Some of them do certain things another way. We're not human beings. Aren't media cliches. And, uh, Puritans or whores. Women are different shades of grey. Women are different, multi-dimensional. I mean, it's it's just, it's just so you know. I, I when I read The Dirt and, right. um, you know, that was like my rock and roll bible. And the absolute graphic nature of sex that they talked, Nikki Six and Tommy Lee talked about, putting their dicks in burritos to hide the smell of pussy, putting telephone up girls pussies. Calling the mum, getting guys, girls to squat over wine bottles, yeah. um, you know, pissing on girls, everything. It was very graphic, right? And people, when they read that book, they're like, "Yeah, rock and roll, man." They're making a movie like, about it. Yeah, I know, but this is the thing. I don't know how they're going to make a film because, first of all, I was just saying that you know people read that and they go, "Yeah, Nikki's isn't only right. fucking terror twins or whatever." Um, or is that Joe Perry and... <laughs> I think they were the
1: Toxic Twins, right?
2: Anyway, so then they go, yeah, this is the epitome of rock and roll, machismo, um, you know, real sort of male sexual dominance. This is what rock stars should be. And I thought, well, yeah, but I, I want that. I am I'm that too. So does that mean I'm wrong to be that? And I thought, no, I'm a human being. Whether it's no right or wrong, human beings make mistakes, human beings do things I might regret. So when I wrote the book, I thought, um, I'm going to write it in a very honest way. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm not going to gloss things over. I'm going to be a human being about this. And I was aware that women don't like women who are sexual. Women hate women who are sexual. Um, I don't know why. If you don't know, make, I don't know. It doesn't make you a bad human being. Your sexuality doesn't define you as good, kind, boring, lazy is sex get over it Um, whilst you idolize men like Tommy Lee or Marilyn Manson you demonize women for doing the exact same thing so check yourself in with your misogyny women are the biggest misogynists there is um recently I was um involved with a very famous rock legend who I won't name and he's (laughs) adored by a lot of people and uh, he was really nice, really sweet, very kind, but still stuck in that very cliche model of rock and roll, which just hasn't evolved since Elvis, that he's himself wrote a book and people didn't like us being associated. They would email him and they would message him on social media and say, why are you you know they somehow found it was a secret again all oh, big secret but you know i did see him at shows and like people knew we knew each other but um he was saying don't put it on the internet that we know each other and i was like why you should be proud that you know me i'm a journalist i'm an activist um and i do so much for women and humanity with the, all my activism right you know and he was like yeah, but you wrote a book and i said so did you because no mine is different i'm like why is, oh, because mine was about relationships and stuff. like, yeah, Mine was too, but also because I'm a woman, it does, it's not legitimate. Um, and I just, after that, I just blocked him out of my life because I just thought, you are so stupid. Hmm. It's like living with the mullahs in Iran. The 1950s mentality about women, it is disturbing to me. Um, so even nice rock stars are dickheads. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, and, and when we were talking off the air and, you know, I have a... I'm a female therapist, uh, and I like to think I'm a nice guy overall. But we all do dumb things. I know I've never done anything, uh, you know, incriminating. But I was telling you off the air, and I'll say it again now, because uh, Tommy Lee, who wrote a book, and I read again. I read that around the same time I read yours and i looked up to him and axel i mean all these guys are so cool they get all these chicks i want to be that i want to be in a rock band someday and all tattooed and have groupies that sounds so cool because i was a moron Uh, so when i'm reading that tommy lee licks girls faces like he licked pamela anderson's face and obviously they eventually got married twice or divorced twice or whatever. And I would occasionally, you know, to a female friend who I, I've known, not some random girl at a bar, I would lick the side of her face. And usually if it was a friend, they would just, like, gross or just wipe their face. Like, I hope you enjoyed the taste of makeup, they usually would say. And then I once I remember telling my therapist that, and she got so mad. She's like, don't ever do that again. That is an invasion of privacy. And I'm like, "It's I'm just being silly. I I, I remember in the movie, uh, PCU. With David Spade and oh, it's another guy who just got hit with Me Too crap. Uh, It was uh, Jeremy Jeremy Piven was in that. Oh, yeah. But but, but but George Clinton was in that. Uh, uh, The Funkadelic were in that. Like every movie in the 80s had like a band in it. So this girl went, oh, George Clinton, and he licks her hand. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Just the dog in me, baby. Oof. Just the dog in me, baby. And I was like, that's so cool. And I did that to a girl once. And Maybe because I'm partially handicapped or I'm small and no one yet ever really threatened. But I guess I don't feel good about that stuff now. And I wouldn't do that stuff now. Yeah, that, That's such a lower level to, probably, I'm sure, what you've experienced. So I, I feel that. And again, I only mentioned that t- they're, um, uh, they're coming out with a book finally for The Dirt. When I interviewed Nikki Sixx, was, he was literally my second radio interview ever. This was probably like 10 years ago. We, yeah. we, this was after 6 a.m. first came out. And this is how long the the dirt book has, uh, the movie has been in the works. Finally, they do a casting, and you ask for for questions. Um, I, you know, I'm asking listeners for questions, and some of them are like, "Is she just uh, want to make a movie? Does she just want to make a movie about her life?" And part of me is like, "Well, maybe." And also, part of me is like, "She, her fucking life deserves a movie. If you read the dirt, it's the same shit. It's the same stuff. Other, th- it's just a female saying it." And I told you off the air, and I'll say it again now. I just forget her name. Uh, the woman who wrote, uh, I'm with the band now. Or, uh, Pamela Dubar. Right. So well, I got a response from a woman saying that your book, in contrast, was too over the top. But you can read someone, uh, an autobiography like Tommy Lee's, or you can yeah. read one like Peter Chris's.
2: Why are they, why are they comparing my book to Pamela Debar? I don't understand. Mine is about Iran. And a lot of other things. Why don't they compare mine to Charles Bukowski?
1: Because they just see the, the title "slut" knowing. I, that I aspire
2: rocks. to be Hunter S. Thompson. I aspire to be Virginia Woolf. A combination. I think my writing is a combination of Virginia Woolf and Hunter S. Thompson.
1: I agree, and I'm not again. I I I, I say this to every list. Um, person that's been on i don't blow smoke i talk to you off the air this is all genuine whether it's brando or brandon it's the same thing that's the way i got from you like from the beginning i've told for the last whatever how long your book has been out whenever i talk about your book the way it's written is just so much more than the content itself that's what i I left with more than just all these stories
2: uh it's very Hurt. This is nothing against you or anything, but I find it sometimes a bit tiring to have to kind of constantly almost justify or defend myself in this day and age about a book I wrote about that involves some sexual event. It's just really, I, I, you know, it's, it's just very strange to me that I have to kind of defend it almost. I, I am, I'm so involved in I'm a journalist and I've interviewed the Ku Klux Klan. I've traveled to Syria on my own I've interviewed serial killer Richard Ramirez. I think about challenging things in life, not keep having to defend me having sex. I'm thinking about what's happening in the world now, uh, a divisive America. I'm thinking about um, kind of race relations. I'm talking about Brexit, or what makes someone a serial killer, or what's going on in Syria, or where my next teaching uh, job is going to be. I, I, this is, um, I just can't keep saying, oh, well, women can have sex. Sorry, we don't live in the 16th century anymore. This is not Saudi Arabia. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I like – I want to discuss real things in life, you know?
1: I'm with uh, you. I'm totally with you, and I was really disappointed with some of the – you know, some questions were great, and I'll just – this one was fun where – and you laughed. We had a fun little Twitter exchange that someone asked uh, – they, they put a picture of Izzy – And we'll get back to the serious part. I I just need uh, comedic relief just for a moment. Uh, They put a picture of Izzy, and they said, is this true? And he looked like he had a gigantic bulge. And there's another um, one of my followers came in that said, that's a fanny pack. And you're like, why would he have a bag on his vagina?
0: And, (laughs) And here
1: in America, fanny means butt. That's funny. And for you, it means vagina. And then I'm getting messages from listeners in Ireland saying that they sell a bum bag. It's not called a fanny pack. <laughs> so it's the the I guess what did they call it? It was like is like Geddon or is I think that's what they were calling it. That <laughs> it's funny. a that it's a myth that it was just a uh, a fanny pack uh, that we know means uh, what it means now. Uh, On the front of his pants that made him look like he had a giant dick. So some, I would get questions like that that are funny, funny. but I like that it's fun. Right, but then I would get ones, and again, I was I was disappointed. And I don't want to ask you this uh, these things, but Mm. you know, is she just going to you for a movie, or you know, she thinks she's an author now? I'm like, she thinks she's an author? She's been again, you just writing books since you're a teenager. You went to Oxford, you teach lectures, and it pisses me off. Because again, these are in Guns N' Rose's groups, you know? And I realize this isn't Adler's book. This isn't Duff's book that is, I guess, quote unquote, required reading for the GNR yeah. fan. But in a way, it should be. And anyone who has read the book and would see my comments were like, hey, you know, you got to read her book. She has her, it's more than what it, uh, what it seems to be. So that's why I wanted to get uh, this across. And you were absolutely one of the first people on my mind to do an interview with when I started this podcast. So it, I'm cool. It's it's finally happening. Um, So I'm 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 with you on all of this, and I'm not just saying, oh, I'm a man. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be on your side. Like a lot of men seem to be, kind of afraid to say anything now.
2: In life, there's gonna be very stupid people, and I've realized that. And you just have to pet them on the head and go go and get you know. Just it's okay. Don't worry. Go and you know.
1: That's play what in I did. That's what I did. I said, I respect your opinion, you know, uh, but I ho- I hope you listen to the podcast and or read her book. You know, we're going to get a lot of cool Guns N' Roses uh, information and just uh, information and intelligent conversation in general. And uh, I just can't deal with people who are who just, I don't know, shut you out right away. So that's, that's why good. it's, it's yeah. interesting, though. Sorry to cut you off. But that's why it's interesting that you went with the, the title of your book, the fact that you, you don't even like it because I, I think that some people just see the title and make all these incorrect assumptions about you.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, there's stupid people ever. What can I say? Life isn't, that's what life is. You know? I mean, I, but on the other hand, I have, I get so many, I have had the most beautiful love from people, women writing to me from across the world, such great messages of love and support. And, that's why I get to speak at conferences, women's conferences. I get to speak at lecture at universities. Um, If, you know, I'm sure if my book was just that, I wouldn't be asked to do political lectures. Um, I wouldn't be given a chance to do my PhD. I wouldn't uh, be able to go and write for the Huffington Post about the Ku Klux Klan. And um, it's fine. I don't, I also, I look at the positive. I've gotten so many positive things out of it. I've got my new book. And um, and I and and I'm doing a lot of very creative and political stuff, which I love. And that's what life is about.
1: Absolutely. Um, So let's just go. Who's uh, for Guns N' Roses is in the book? I know Dizzy Reed is a major focal point of the book. And I don't know. You can say whatever you need to say here. But just like with the Buck Cherry story, I want people to read it because I think in context, it's not just me trying to sell books for you. You're fine by yourself. I guess yeah. that within context and the way you write it is the only way for it to be is, is the best way for it to be digested. But um, who else? Uh, in addition to Dizzy and again, whoever, whatever you want to say about him or I get there's an interesting story about Matt Sorum in there. But uh, who
2: else? Um, Izzy and Axel, uh, Steven Adler, um, and, um, yeah, there's, don't forget there's people I don't write about, so let's just leave it at that. Yes,
1: yeah, that that was something else that we'll talk about, um, why (laughs) (laughs) the decision to name names or not to name names, because that's a, that, and, and I will piggyback on what you said, and I did get positive messages too. Believe me, this it was just it was very well rounded. Saying you know, this, she Roxanne is awesome. This book is great. She's kick ass. All of that. Uh, but the the bravery and the courage it took. Because I I mentioned briefly before that I'm quote unquote working on a book about my life. But that takes a lot, you know. Uh, and especially for you, things that you went through your childhood and some of the things uh, you know. The the bad sexual experiences that you've had—that takes a lot. So the bravery to go into it, telling your story, and then including other people.
2: Yes, I mean obviously, um, when people uh, look up to rock stars or movie stars, um, they maybe they think that they're immune from society's um, ethical and moral. you know, judgments and behaviors, you know, if you're that kind of level of fame or even if you're kind of a diff- lower level of fame, I think um, people, you know, they don't like to believe, Like same as Woody Allen, you know, I don't like to believe that he molested his, uh, his stepdaughter. Um, people don't like to hear that, that he's rock stars. You know, Jimmy Page slept with underage girls. He's Nothing has been done about that. Um, because he's Jimmy Page, and fame elevates human beings to a very artificial kind of uh, platform because human beings that do good for the world aren't elevated to that level. It's fame, whether it's actor or rock star, that you're elevated and immune from society's morals, you know, and they can get away with so much. So, in my book, well, yes, I did write about Dizzy and um, uh, his abuse of me because I thought. Yes, I've, this is just, you know, what's happened is I kept all his texts, I kept all his emails, verbatim, I put it in there so no one could say anything because it was exactly his words to me. So yes, there is stuff about him. It was a pivotal moment in my life that um, it was somebody who pursued me, who really liked me, who didn't want me to not, to not break his heart but he became an extreme, a big abuser of mine. And uh, especially after I aborted his child and um, his language to me about, he wanted me to kill myself. He wanted me to um, die. He wanted me to suffer. And uh, it, it was extreme abuse, you know? And I wrote that because I thought, well, he's a person, this is part of my life. This is what's happened. And he just happens to be in a a musician. And I think people who still play with him are complicit in this because it's a huge, there's, there's a big chapter on this. And they're okay with him, obviously, treating women in this way. It's not just me, other women came forward about their treatment of him. Mm-hmm. He's a massive abuser.
1: Do you believe, and I've, I've never met the man, uh, you know, I've only quote unquote met you. Do you believe, believe that people can, even from that? bottom can change because when you, when you mentioned Jimmy Page of course I think about uh, now like Ted Nugent you know he's on his high horse all the time but didn't he like adopt a girl to be like his his wife and you know Jer- Jerry Lee Lewis so I mean so these it's yeah, not yeah. yeah so I mean there was a point in our culture where it was okay and then you know then it became a taboo oh older women going after younger men that's weird I mean not never on that extreme Uh at well, least, I mean, not as famously, but do you? I'm just, I guess I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, maybe, was it was it uh, Al Pacino or Robert De Niro recently? Like, there was something that 40 years ago that someone recently just said, like, like, yeah, like yeah, it was Dustin Hoffman for you. Thank you. They, I don't know why they all blended into one actor for me. Uh, <laughs> all, all white people look the same. I'm white. Um, maybe. But you're
2: a Jew.
1: Yes. <laughs> Uh, and you live in
2: Jewtown. Yes, in,
1: in, in Jewtown, USA, uh, which is, yeah, I'm the worst Jew ever. I really am. Uh, but uh, like, he, he quite had,
2: tight with money?
1: <laughs> he had, like, his knee on this girl, and it's just a different time then. So I don't know. I can't, like, if he did it now, maybe it's different. So, I mean, I don't know what Dizzy – I mean, it's not like this book was written 40 years ago, and I don't hmm. know if he's quote-unquote changed. But if you believe that can happen, I can't think of, and again, like Kevin Spacey's getting help now. I can't, I mean, he's probably doing it to try to save his career. I don't know if he's ever really going to change because that seems to be another level of it. But if you take it to like mine, like I regret licking girls' faces. But would would you hold that against me for the rest of my life? So if if Dizzy or someone said, oh my God, I can't believe what I've done to you. I'm not trying to apologize to him, for him. I guess I'm just trying to give a hypothetical and... Where we can be as a society, because rock has be- not become dangerous anymore. Maybe people are afraid to be sexual. Uh, so I mean, I know it's a pretty loaded question I'm asking you. So I don't know, it, but do you see where I'm going with this a little bit? I don't. It's, 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 I,
2: mean, I, I don't really care about him at all. But um, that's,
1: that's, a, that's a fair answer.
2: No, I mean, I think it's what is important is that um, people really look into themselves and, and, and you know, how fame is so important to people, fame, fame. You know, you can't define a human being of how they are as a person by how famous they are. So just check that in with yourself. Just look at your fam- favorite rock stars or movie stars. See that they, w- what if they abuse women? What if they do this? Would you still, you know, when I, when, you know, when I, like for example, John Lennon is a classic, you know, he, I know he used to beat his wife. I love John Lennon, and that really bothers me. I don't look at him the same way as I used to when I read about how he used to treat his wife. Or even I love Jim Morrison, but I know he treated women like shit. You know, I can't look at him in the same way. And that's because I don't evaluate a person by how famous that i look at or how their art or their music however beautiful it is i'm going to have to look at them as a human being and how what they have done yes people can change obviously that's you know that's true um but i'm just saying people need to be aware that their favorite rock stars um that if they are abusive to women, if they, if they do hurt women and they, the things that, you know, they have to understand that world of misogyny is what constitutes rock and roll. Um, it is what the essence of rock and roll is. It is an unequal, um, kind of men are more superior. Women are a bit inferior in things. Yes, it is that. And you need to be, just be aware of it. Um, and don't demonize women for doing what men do. Um, as with Dizzy, I, I don't really care if he's changed or not. I just know he was my abuser. And um, and so would another girl who came forward, Sabrina, who I wrote about in my book, and another girl. I don't really care. I just don't really think about him. But um, um, I just think that it, people should speak out if nowadays, if something happens, don't think, oh, he's so famous, I should just comply with what happens. They should speak out if something is abusive uh, verbally emotionally physically mentally in whatever sense
1: well that's what's happening now in the whole uh, hashtag me too movement then let me ask this because it bothers me i mean you're, you're different because you came out with the book you have you know like you said you printed out emails and text messages and other claims but it is a little scary that you can just post something on twitter and facebook and all of a sudden it's just it's just out there without yeah. a- anything so that that is does that bother you now? That I are mean, are you for that? Are you, are you proud of your your fellow women that are finally – I mean, obviously they're finally coming out. And piece, I, piece of shit like Harvey Weinstein are done, but yeah. there are some people that it, it may just be like like Anzi Anzari. Was that just a weird date that went wrong, or does he have his, deserve to have his name be in the same ballpark as some of these? You know, tapes?
2: it's um the Hollywood casting couch has gone on since the beginning of Hollywood. You know. Uh, stars like John Crawford and Betty Davis, Marilyn Monroe, they all admittedly, you know, they did say things about what sexual favors they had to do. Um, and when Harvey Weinstein thing came out and all this Me Too movement, I think, you know, of course, abuse is bad, sexual harassment and misconduct is bad. But if an, a lot of actresses and, and I've been... I lived in L.A. I was around a lot of the movie scene and I went to Golden Globes. I met Harvey Weinstein. I met a lot of my actresses. And they, did, they do sleep with producers to get a part. Um, they do. It does go on a lot. And then uh, years later, they come out and say it was abuse. Mm. You know, I'm sorry, but... Yes, abuse is abuse. But if you uh, if you slept with someone to get a movie role, then you did that willingly. It was consensual. Okay. I'm not saying all these actresses who have spoken out did that, but I know it's such a big thing in Hollywood. Um, I mean, as for Twitter and writing about someone, that, yes, you should. There should be an investigation. My friend has filed a complaint about Marilyn Manson, who. Cut her, kept her locked up and stuff, and is uh, the police are dealing with it? Jeez. It's on her website, so I'm not just saying this. It's on her, it's out there in the public. Okay, um, but that's um, not. Good. I
1: mean, he he gets fired, uh, Twiggy. So, what, is he going to fire himself if something happens?
2: Um, you know, people. She gets a lot of abuse from women, women who say, "You fucking whore!" This what? She was abused and she's a prostitute. Then what? what? Really? Women these days disturb me, really. Women don't stick. Women bash other women all the time. And, um, you know, it's kind of like when, I, when my book, people were saying this and this. But people can sue. If it's not true, sue that person. Right. Seriously. I had the my, my lawyers were the same as a Guns and Roses lawyers. My book's lawyers. Oh. Collins is the biggest. Papa Collins don't want to get sued. No. They're fucking, They would have to pay a lot. So they, I had lawyers who were actually represented guns and horses. They had to go through my with a tooth comb, sure. right? Check emails, check texts, check everything. Talk um, witnesses had to sign things. So because I can't just say anything about anyone. When I spoke about Sebastian Bach, there were loads of people that he cheats. He cheated on his wife all the time. I can't just say that out of the blue. I have to have proof and witnesses.
1: Right. He did say, like, I mean, because that's Sebastian. I mean, I've asked him on the show. His uh, manager said yes to me twice and doesn't get back to me. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bitter. But, I mean, there was a thing that, you know, he denied it. But, I mean, again, it's like, of course, like, I, not of course right. Everything you're saying, like, why would you do that without backup, especially Harper Collins? It's not like this is a, uh, you know, self-published book you put mm-hmm. out on Kindle. I mean, this is this is fucking for real. So I mean, you wouldn't, if, you wouldn't if risk anyone your career.
2: write anything and say anything, then if you can't sue, so you, you can sue. If you don't, if it's wrong, I would sue if someone wrote a, fair, a false allegation against me. If he thinks it's false, he should sue He re, Get out there and do it. Seriously. Because why would you want to put up with that? You know, so hence why there was a lot of stuff I left out of the book because my lawyer said you can't because there's no proof. Mm-hmm. do you see yeah. what i mean sure I, there is stuff i did with many <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna say Guns and roses but it's i i don't so, sometimes i don't want to because i i just decided not to there is no story to it i can't just say oh yeah i i fucked this and that it's just no story No, it wouldn't, add, yeah, I,
1: it wouldn't add to your story other than just to be sensationalist right
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um and, you know, that's what I mean. So um, lawyers, you're fucking, you know, armed to the eyeballs with lawyers, Collins,
1: Right. Or, or Tracy, I think uh, Tracy Guns didn't like the story that was in there about him. But it's that's like
2: an attraction story. Oh, he loves it, really. <laughs> 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 he wants to do it again, don't you know?
1: <laughs> I I believe it. I believe it. Oh, that's, that's too... It's just
2: so funny how sex is just so omitted in rock and roll. For God's sake, what happened to the debaucherous days of Led Zeppelin, where it was free love and sex? And I was like, "Hush, hush about sex. It's so wrong and it's so taboo."
1: Then let me ask. Then this is a good place to to start, as far as like rock and roll. Let's get into a little bit more of a fun conversation. What do you think? Rock is now. I know it's different overseas. You know, I've I've spoken to uh, Ryan Roxy from Quiet Riot, who lives in Switzerland. I've, I've talked to fans in Ireland who you know, GNR's are lifeblood, but they may not care about Motley Crue and Aerosmith the same, or South America, of course. But here in America it's really in a weird place, Rock. So I don't know is it the hypocrisy of, of what rock and roll is that we're finally realizing that, oh, it's all this debauchery but now we're in you know, the uh, social justice warrior age where, yeah, we like all that stuff, but, you know, let's just stick with the classic. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think of,
0: uh, I don't yeah, know. I, I'm, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm frustrated because I just want my the music that I like to actually be heard on the radio, and it's not.
2: Right. So in the age of AIDS, the Internet, um, and corporate mass consumerism, corporate kind of world, Rock and roll can't really germ. It can't really flourish um, because internet is a place where people they will film things. They will write things. Obviously, with the age of eight, <laughs> there is no such thing as free love and sex right. like it probably was. I think, imagine, with the bands of the 60s and 70s, uh, with Aerosmith. And, and, you know, that's another thing with Steven Tyler. He is so... He's the guy type of guy that epitomizes rock and roll to me. He's like, yeah, all for free love and sex and talking about the girls he slept with. He's like, and the girls join in. He, I just, he's like, you know, he should, you know he, people should look up to him. All these other guys I've met, they're just so like, they're so sort of, you know, bereft of any spirit of rock and roll. So, you know, and I've been backstage everywhere and um, people are on their iPads drinking their uh, chamomile tea. <laughs> You know, it's just it's just it's like a graveyard, whereas there's bands like Rammstein who are mental <laughs> and they're, fucking, they're like, they're just too much for me. I can't keep up with them. No, they're mental.
1: Oh, I want to see them. So they they don't do many shows here in America. And every time I don't know, it's like I a, it's like a school night or or, some, or I'm working or something. I still need to see them.
2: They, they are amazing amazing performers. I love their music.
1: Don't they but have also, like a uh, giant like dicks with fire coming out of them or something like
0: things crazy? They're
2: like, all trained in um uh, as like firefighters or something because they set fires to themselves. They have to put fires out. They've got giant dildos. <laughs> um, they have all sorts of things. Um and it's they, a uh, you know uh, their music and stuff. But but backstage you know after the shows they are they party hard and they. I've piped with them quite a few times, as I'm sure many, many girls have, and they're so German about it. You will come this way, and you will go here, and we will sit down. We will have some champagne, and it's so funny. <laughs> no, no, Till, Till the singer, he, he is fuck. He is too much for me, and he's in his fifties. I can't, I can't. His energy is ridiculous.
1: I love it. Then uh, now I'm thinking. There was a story. I think it came out maybe a few months ago. Because Axel apparently is the only one who still goes out and parties until the wee hours of the night, and he was out with, um, oh my God, Tom Tom Jones, until like six in the morning. Tom Jones, who's obviously like even older than he is. <laughs> so I, uh, so were you at the the were you always with Dizzy, or did were you hanging out with Axel until six in the morning? Like I can't believe he's still doing this as well.
2: Um, I no, Axel was like when I was.
1: <laughs> what what you can, what you want to say what you can't say because I did put up uh,
2: on... no, no 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 it's not it's... <laughs> I'm just thinking about Guns and Roses guys because uh, they've all seen my vagina I think I, and uh...
1: well I did post it's... uh leading up to this interview I posted an excerpt from your book about being with Sebastian but then you. So you're worried about Axel coming into the room?
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I, you know, um, I really like. I don't know Axel personally. I don't know what he's like. He might be a complete misogynistic tool. I don't know. I don't know him personally. But I've always liked him. It's a childhood thing as well. And, um, but like I said, as you grow up, you have to know that you have to know that you don't know these people as human beings. They could be dickheads. So, um, um, you know. He he did. He came in. He, he, I was. I had a vibrator, and um, he signed my pussy. <laughs> and and uh, he because you know. And but it got it got wiped off because you know of things that happen. But um, no, I just uh, I'm sure he parties. I don't know. Um,
1: it just partied. obviously it being a GNR podcast it made me think of that because you're like. You know, Ramstein—they're only fifty. And Axel, obviously, in his mid-fifties. You know, uh, I think Tom Jones is in his seventies. And when, yeah. I like hearing those stories because you don't hear them anymore, unless it's uh, like Wes Scantlin from Puddle and Mud, and he's just a mess. I, and he just I gets... met
2: <laughs> you once, and I thought he was so hot, and people thought it was crazy. I think he's so hot.
1: Well, he's in rehab now, so you might want to wait until he gets out to reconnect. <laughs>
2: I like crazy guys like that though, and I, I talk about misogyny, but that I would never want them as my boyfriend. It's just to have fun with them and then leave it because they would. Make a, they all cheat. I've never met one rock star that. And you know, a lot of them don't believe in the monogamy, and they say, "I wish I could." Have. I would like tell your partner this. Don't hide it. Don't just be honest. They don't know how to be honest, rock stars. They like to live a lie all the time, and in terms of fun, I've found that those who are clean and sober. They don't have any sort of fun because I think it might trigger behavior that will lead to using again. It's possible. Yes. So the ones that don't, you know, just think of all the ones who are clean and sober in your head. Those are the ones that don't at all do anything. They sit in there and watch CNN in their pajamas. Probably
1: Gene Simmons. He doesn't do anything, and he was recently critical of. Uh, he said he spoke with Gene uh, um, Scott Wyland and I think I want to say Chester before they died, and he's like, they promised me they wouldn't do drugs anymore. And hmm. I mean, everyone's everyone's different. So I mean, I, I understand. I I, I I mean, it's okay if you want to be sober, but you know, if you're a boring sober person, who wants that? At least I don't no, know, I, smoke some pot or something.
2: But but Brandon, they, they I I know for a fact from speaking to some of them who are sober that if they engage in any sort of fun behavior even like hanging out with people it could trigger them drinking or using so they don't do anything
1: no you're right it's people places and things that's what i've I, that's what i've learned from the, the uh, meetings i've gone to meetings before people places and things so i i get it and that's so hard to be a, a, in a band and do that to be in the in it's drug sex and rock and roll it's the first two it's the first two. <laughs> then you get but, to the but, rock and but, roll. But,
2: with, with Ramstein, um, they know how to keep it. I, I don't think any of them are addicts. They're actually so intelligent. You can have a mentally as well as sexually stimulated, which is fantastic because – you know, so many rock stars don't have. They don't know what they're bimbos. They don't. I don't mean this disrespectfully, <laughs> but there's nothing to talk about. I know. But I understand. sometimes you meet a rare rock star who can engage and talk about every like literature, politics, the arts, theater, and but you're also having sexually like fucking great, man. You know, and and um, Ramstein are fucking great guys. You know, they really lay it out. For, you know, they have. They host. They're such great hosts. You know, y- you have such a great time. It's not some s- cheap, sneezy faces, beautiful places where there is all sorts of fun. There's girls, there's food, there's drinks. It's just a great laugh. And then funny thing you said about Gene Simmons. Um, I was in somewhere with, uh, Ram- with the singer of Ramstein. And, uh, I had a friend with me and she was downstairs smoking and she saw a bunch of guys come in and she said, are you guys in a band? They were like, yeah, we're in kiss and she and she, it was gene simmons she totally brought him she didn't know that she didn't recognize them i don't know why she wasn't wearing her glasses or something but i can't believe she brought him down a peg or two because she asked them if they were in a band <laughs> and it was gene simmons and paul stanley it's really funny um but yeah they must have been pissed off that you know she didn't recognize them um well they weren't, actually, they 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 weren't tried, wearing their makeup probably yeah i don't know but whatever but no, um, no, there isn't, and there's hardly any of that that goes on. And they're very, very. They're kind of sitting in their rooms and their pajamas and herbal tea. There we go.
1: Just how I envisioned a rock star would be. I'm right, unbelievable. Uh, so, what has been the fallout since the book has has come out? Because it's, obviously, it's been a while. Uh, you've gotten a lot of different reactions. So, what has hmm. your life been like since. Uh, the title that you're not a huge fan of, The Last Living Slut, came out.
2: Well, so much has happened. Um, I am doing my PhD. I um, I lecture a lot at universities. I wrote my new book. Um, I traveled to the Middle East on my own. I went to Syria on my own. Is that, um, what, I'm the, on a is that what the new book black, is about? Yeah, I'm on a blacklist. We're sort of a death list in Iran. <laughs> um, because of my first book, um, if I go there through normal, no customs and stuff, I would pro- I would get put into prison and tortured and maybe executed.
1: Yeah, I, I literally before we started taping, uh, I got some Twitter messages saying, "Oh, can she tell us everything about Guns and Roses, the first five original members?" And your response was, "I may be killed," and <laughs> I, not um, many people say that and mean it.
2: Um. Yeah, but no, I mean, with, everyone keep, you know. Yeah, this is more a political thing. I'm on a list in Iran um, because I'm an I'm a um, which I'm an enemy of God, you know, Jesus. to them. So um, I hired some smugglers um, and I went over the Turkish mountains on horseback illegally to Iran.
1: Just like um, you do, just like everybody does.
2: Yeah, just <laughs> a normal vacation, you know. Yeah, th- no. th- this
1: weekend, <laughs> unbelievable. So. It's it's about that trek, and because uh, I know you have a little bit uh, blurb about it on your website.
2: Yeah, so this is um, I still don't have a title for it, but we basically what it is. It um, starts off with me on the border of Iran, and I'm in a Turkish village. I'm looking for a bit of tequila for courage and the morning-after pill, and um, I am getting ready to cross the border illegally. And um, and it's and then it has flashbacks. So the flashbacks are of when I when I met the Ku Klux Klan in Alabama, and flashbacks of my time in the West from I used to date a big mafia boss, um, and in uh, in Vegas and flashbacks of some rock and roll related stuff. I haven't named the person, but I had a quite a profound uh, sort of shall we say liaison with somebody, and. Um, yeah, and it was nice for a while, but again, he's a bit old-fashioned about women, right. <laughs> So we say. But yes, it has got flashbacks to lots of things, rock and roll, mafia boss, you know, Ku Klux Klan, you know, me living in a ghetto when I was a teenager, <laughs> and so on and on, and um, ends up with me getting to Iran.
1: That sounds incredible. And I told you that the first book, it was more than just, you know, me. I mean, yes, the initial Guns N' Roses lore brought me to it, but I left with just a different impression. And all these years later, I'm talking to you. Uh, so I'm looking forward to your, your next book. But no, no rock stars in the next book? Any g and references? I mean, the story sounds awesome regardless, but.
2: You're going to get me into trouble. I, you know, I, I
1: don't. <laughs> you don't have to say, you can say mum's the word. and that's, that's it. That can be your, no, no say no comment. That'll be it.
2: Yeah, I mean, just – I have written about a – an well, a, a sort of a liaison with somebody, shall we put it. I haven't named this person. Okay,
1: though. then we'll leave it at that. I, I just want to let our listeners know who, A, have either read your book already who are, are now going to get it, uh, mm. what to expect from the, the next one. Because I'm – like I was, uh, I imagine they'll be impressed by your writing, uh, so they'll want to re- read the next book anyway. But you know, it's always nice to have a little GNR flavor in it. You, you never know. It's, it's not, I'm sure I wouldn't take anything away, but you know, it's a nice little spice to have every now and then. So, the, well, let's
2: put it this way: they, um, apart from the Doors, they're one of my favorite bands. So, just use your imagination. <laughs> okay,
0: all right, I will. Uh, um, that, that's, well,
2: can I? one thing, but when you ask me about the dirt and the movie,
1: yeah, yeah, I want to know more about. Uh, I want to know your about your opinion because that's a great parallel: is their story and your story, and how it's received.
2: Well, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, I find it very um, difficult to comprehend how the 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 uh, the dirt can be a successful movie, and here's why: um, the book itself, every page is the extreme depraved acts of humanity that you can imagine. A lot yeah. of them very funny, I love it. <laughs> it's crazy stuff, you know, Ozzy licking Nicky Six's piss, Ozzy snorting ants, yep. fucking lots of girls together, you know, all the really graphic stuff, right? Yep. If they, this movie, how, if they depict those things which makes up the monster that is Motley Crew, then the film will come across as very misogynistic. If they don't, then the movie will be a watered down version of Motley Crue. So how are they gonna, how are they gonna balance it out? They can't really put these guys, when I became a successful rock band, they traveled the world, they did crazy stuff because a lot of films have that story. But what made The Dirt, The Dirt and Motley Crue what they are is what they used to get up to. Sure, they're so fucking fucked up, you
1: know. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I think the only safe pages chapters were from Mick Mars. You know, the only time I wasn't reading about you know, fucking a burrito or anything, you know, anything or or accidentally killing somebody, you know, was only in Mick Mars's uh, chapters. I I would only I would hope it would be on something like Netflix. I can't see a major motion release doing it justice. Like that was kind of wasn't that the whole thing with a. You know, Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, your book makes that seem like Highlights Magazine, but Fifty Shades of Grey is. pretty
2: bad writing. I'm a writer. Yeah. I, I, I don't think about the content of things. I, I think about the um, the wording I use. You know, it's not about what's in it, sexual. So, I, you know, I don't understand. I, I, all I've read in my life is like fucking Sylvia Plath, Virginia Woolf, and um, Hunter S. Thompson, sure. uh, as well as like very theoretical so 50 shades is not even in my sort of you know i don't i it's an insult
1: to you i know that i know it's an insult but I'm, that, that's unfortunately what's more popular or accepted i guess but you know after that you know well, not, I, I, mean, I never read the book never saw the movie but just talking to female friends it's like what's the point you know i guess it was just porn for moms i guess
2: McDonald's is, uh, sells billions. It doesn't mean it's healthy food. This is true.
1: This is very true.
2: <laughs> doesn't have millions of Doesn't mean there are very interesting artists whose work we should examine.
1: Very true. Very true. Uh, people
2: like stupid things. People. I don't mean in an insulting way, but I think people like something easy. It's just a vegging out time kind of thing.
1: Yeah. You know? No, your book is not. An easy to read. I mean, it's easy if you, you know how to read and you're literate. It's not written in, it's not like Tchaikovsky or something that's, it's hard, but just, it, it's some of the, the material and some of the things that you've gone through. That's what makes it difficult. And I think that's what makes a good book. I don't want everything, I don't want to just, every book to be, you know, Hop on Pop or Yertle the Turtle. I mean, this shows you where my, uh, <laughs> my where my learning has been. But so, I mean, I again, that's why I appreciate, you know, different kinds of hard movies. I will go out of my way to see the really... Fucked up horror movies are graphic, uh, because that's maybe that's what I'm in the mood for, or maybe I'll watch Goosebumps instead. Yeah. I mean, it, it just depends. It's a different way of storytelling, and that's what I, I always would describe your book. It's just it's a unique way of storytelling. It's not like just because she's a female, it's it's different than Anthony Catus's book. It's different than Slash's book. It's just it's the way it's written is just so different and unique and made me think. And obviously, still to this day. Uh, and I just now happen to have a platform to be able to talk to you, uh, which is just uh, awesome for me. And do you, you do you do anything like weekly? Because I know you said you wrote for the HuffPo, but you don't put any sort of weekly columns. Or I know you used to interview bands. Do you do that anymore at all?
2: No, recently I've been um, – your yeah, Post was stuff I wrote – well, I interviewed uh, Richard Ramirez, the serial killer. And uh, I, I did a, the Ku Klux Klan serial. I wrote about epilepsy. And things like that, so recently I haven't done anything like lighthearted because I've been so involved in teaching and so involved in like um, academic stuff that my mind's been more on injustices because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I just hate inequality. It's, it's, I get so angry by you know, especially women who are so against women, it's really mind boggling, you know. That, so, I find that very surprising,
1: that yeah. I found that very surprising when I got some messages like that uh, from other women, and I'm like, I'm not a woman. I can't really argue and tell you, she, tell her she's wrong for whatever she's believing, uh, but I guess, no, my thought process goes along with more with you, and it's not like the other hosts I've heard interview you where it just sounds like they're trying to get in your pants at the end of the interview, like the guy from the Young Turks. Hey, if I wasn't married, uh, Persian women are so beautiful. Go fuck yourself. Like, be a professional. So it,
2: it's I I you know my first interview with, with someone called Danny Bonaducci. Oh
1: uh, yeah <laughs> Shut up. Was it really? Was it what, Danny Partridge?
2: But, can I say the C word? Yes. What a cunt.
1: I've heard nothing Seriously. but bad things about Danny Bonaducci. Yeah. So he I I worked so with a radio good. guy who worked with him back in the day and yeah, I've heard nothing but bad things.
2: He was so rude to me. He was just from the outset, he was just rude and I was like, Why is it is he trying to get a reaction out of me? Probably I, I don't understand.
1: Now, I, I, the only reaction I want is what's organic from uh, you and all my guests. So I appreciate that. So uh, as far as the, the next book, is it finished? What do you still have to do with it? When can we expect it?
2: I have to call it something. It's finished. In I don't addition know to that,
1: it. so you just need a title?
2: Um, yeah. Don't I ask don't Neil
1: Strauss. Don't ask him since you don't I like have, his titles.
2: I'm not on the same page about anything. Neil is celebrity L.A. person. I am like reading Foucault and French philosophy person.
1: I got to get you, next time you're on, whether you're in studio or not, my journalist buddy, Art Tavano, who's out in L.A., I mean, I just got to get you guys to talk because he's always talking about misogyny uh, here in America, and I, I don't know, I just feel like that would be an interesting episode next time you do come on, so I appreciate Willingness. I know you said it earlier in the uh, interview. You never know at the end of the interview, but yeah, fuck this kid. I I, I
2: I need a I need a break. I need. I've been so busy. I've, I'm actually also acting in a play. I I just got the part yesterday of the main part of an Elizabethan play. Oh, love. Yeah. Um. So I think um, I really need to, like a one week's vacation or something. <laughs> I have a lot of friends in the US, a lot who I made actually when they read my book, and I'm so grateful. Like I. It's literally the love I've gotten from my book. It's insane. I, I'm so grateful for it. And people who wrote to me with their own experiences, they think that I open up dialogue for people to talk about uh, the roles of gender roles, you know, in society to break taboos, to break um, a lot of dominant narratives um, that are predominantly patriarchal. But I'm so grateful. I've made all these friends and a lot of them live in the U.S., um, and Australia, and all over, really. So I, I'd love to just come to the U.S. and maybe come to New York and see some of my friends in, uh, in um, ve- Vegas and L.A. So, yeah, it would be great. To
1: and you can sign over. my book. You can sign my, my own copy.
2: Yeah, and you can help me decide on a title for my new book. I'm pretty
1: good with that, I think, <laughs> uh, with coming up with names. I mean, I came up with Appetite for Distortion. That's pretty brilliant. Mm yeah 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 well I kind of somewhat stole from GNR so much
2: Uh-oh. I am so, it's so true that I do have an appetite for destruction though yeah if you look at my life, everything I do is put, putting my life in jeopardy um, literally, everything I've done, literally, yeah. you know and- it's like self-harm it's like I have a I just want to, I want to die I want to be harmed in some way it's really crazy I don't know why I have this force within me. It's quite destructive. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. So maybe oh, okay. this, putting my life in danger—going to Syria, going to Ku Klux Klan, um, going to Iran—is insane. What's wrong with me? Those man? are your
1: maybe. Those are your highs, instead of you know.
2: A... Addiction is like an adrenaline. Maybe. High boost.
1: Maybe. I mean, I can give you my therapist number if you want.
2: I I, I talked to a therapist and she said because as a child, I was always on alert because you know we used to. The the Shah secret police used to raid homes. The soldiers were in our streets. I was addicted to that adrenaline. My brain is addicted to being on alert. Oh, wow. I've always been on having to do things like coming to England as a child and just being on my own. And So I guess my brain has an addiction to epic epic advent- adventures, things mm-hmm. like that. Gotcha. So,
1: so what you would say that the book has opened more doors than it's closed because I know it was a risk obviously, for a variety of reasons, but it seems like it's opened more doors and given you more opportunities, other than being on a death list in Iran, which is...
2: <laughs> that's such a sense, school. I really miss Iran so much, and I just miss it so much, and the beauty of it, and that's the one thing that I feel I jeopardize and I can't go back, but, um, but has it closed doors in some senses, yes, because um, yeah, but I don't care about those things, I care about what I, the essence of what I do, which is, you know, fighting injustice, fighting misogyny, people's perceptions of women. I, I do love lecturing, I love teaching, I love, you know, um, talking about human rights and stuff. Um, and I love being able to write more. I love that I was able to write for Huffington Post, for example, um, on things that I really wanted to. So in some ways it has opened doors. I guess. Um, you have to stay true to yourself. I don't think you should sell yourself out. I got offered so many stupid things after my book came out. Write for FHM, write for men's magazines. I was just, no, it's not me. It's not me. I don't like hollow shit. Right. I want to write real stuff, you know? So
1: Yeah, um, no, I, I totally identify. Again, with my friend Art, he wants to write for real publications. He's like, I could write for Vice if I wanted to or BuzzFeed, but I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> so... I kind of uh, I kind of understand that thought process, and I really appreciate that uh, and respect that thought process immensely. So uh, once you come up with a, a title, whether it be from my own brain or yours or Neil Strauss's or whatever, please let me know. Uh, is there anything I guess you want to get out there? Because uh, thank you for for talking to us. I know maybe we, we, we went a little. I know it's late for you because it's around five o'clock here in new it's york
2: 10, and there's an interview with donald trump i've got to watch that. oh he's on he's uh, talk so much shit uh, okay
1: is everything tremendous is another is is the russian thing is all fake news right it's, it's probably the same stuff yeah
2: i just i can't you know i i don't know what to say it's just
1: i will we'll talk. Maybe we can talk here's a couple because we involved this uh in the gnr podcast to show you things that we've done we did uh, an episode uh, uh politics uh, uh, guns and politics because GNR brought up a, a Trump piñata in Mexico City, and, uh, and, and Slash and Duff have been very avid on Women's March. And those are things I think about. I'm like, Duff, I'm sure, you know, when he was younger, sleeping around, same thing with Slash. But, you know, they have kids now, so that changes, especially with Duff with daughters. And then people were writing comments, so like, how can they say these things now? So, uh, again, I, 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 just, I think of all the ties— what I do want to get, and he has to pre-record this interview. Um, he runs Slash's fan page out of Mexico. The page has like almost 300,000 likes, so it's like legit thing. Mm. Uh, he said he was at the that show, the uh, the Mexican Trump show, and I wa- I want to interview him. He he can read English, he can type it. He doesn't speak it that well, so I like please just pre-record you know, you telling us what guns are, Mexican Guns N' Roses fans think of Donald Trump. I would love to have that <laughs> that perspective because uh, I know uh, it's an interesting view here in America. If there's anything anti-Trump, you see GNR's Facebook page. It's split right down the middle, like with everything else, even if you're a Guns N' Roses fan or not. So that's why another reason I like more than just, you know, you, you know, being intelligent, writing a good book, but just your worldviews and where you've been, I think, just adds more to this uh GNR universe um that all started with just me seeing a cover so it's just it's just re- really cool to, to finally talk to you and i can't wait to talk to you again and read your your next book
2: thank you very much no thank you i think my next book i'll have more um i have more power over it because i was not happy with the editing of strauss and boza it's they wanted sensationalism a lot and um it's not me. I want, I need to be a human being and be truthful. I can't just shock for shock's sake. So this one, I have more control, and I hope it's a lot more me than the first book.
1: And the first um, one is a lot of you. So that's, that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, heavily edited to, yeah. to dumb down a lot of my writing. I mean, for example, I would write things like jaundiced lights, and they would say, no, write yellow. I'm like, yeah, but that's such a pedestrian way of talking. I I want to say how, conjure up a feeling of how something felt. Jaundice lights means it's a sickly place. You're right. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't happy. There was a lot of fighting, so Hmm. hopefully that's what I have more control. Um, And, Jen, it's really nice to talk to you. I think, without sounding patronizing to anyone listening, and i because I'm a teacher, sorry, I do tend to lecture. <laughs> I think this goes without saying, but we live in a world where there's so much bad news, there's bad things going on, there's always... And I think that without sounding like a total hippie, I just want to say, can you, people just should stop before they start bitching at each other mm-hmm. to, to actually, you know, to, um, define a person by how they are as a human being, regardless of what color they are, what race they are, what sexuality they are and what their image is like, you know? Don't define them by their fame or what they're like, just define them as a kind of a human being and what they do. So when people judge, just check yourself and go, well, do I know this person? Do I know how, does their sexuality define them as a human being? Does their, you know, ethnicity or does their race or their image or their clothing define them? People get lost in this complete maze of judgmental stuff so you know
0: no
1: you're right and that's why i named this distortion i identify more with distortion than destruction because i have a weird view on things that's why i've gone to uh, to therapy and i uh, why i've ingrained in um integrated that uh narrative into this guns N' roses podcast because that's what identified me with axel while i gravitated I mean you, you know you found him sexually attractive i i mean he's a handsome man or at least you know i was Handsomer when he was younger. I mean, we <laughs> all were. Uh, but I was drawn to the depression aspect, the uh, j- just the, you know, maybe the the anger aspect. Uh, right. And people kind of misinterpreting that. Why is he so angry? And then you go back and read his childhood, and, and yes, that, that's not always an excuse, but what do you do with that? And just seeing his path and the, the art he's been able to create, and of course mistakes, we all make mistakes. So I identified with that. But before I let you go, I will say this. This is actually funny and kind of embarrassing a little bit. Uh, you said you had, you you know you had your first orgasm to a poster of Axel. So this is when I was living
2: image of him on TV. Oh, an, 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 Im-
1: an image. Okay, an image. Uh, I this is when I was living in Cape Cod doing radio, and I bought like a large Guns N' Roses poster, uh, and it was just like Axel. You know, obviously a youthful Axel, and he's wearing. Those bicycle pants, and you know doesn't have a shirt on or whatever. So I put it up in my in my room, and it's next to my computer. And, uh, and then one day my room, my roommate goes, "Why is Axel a dick in your face?" And I, <laughs> I guess the way I put it up is that if I try, his his giant bulge is just eye level with me, and I just had no idea. And then he just made me really self conscious, so I took it down <laughs> and I put it somewhere else. Because every time I always turn my chair to watch TV, I would just I could now I just would see Mr. Brownstone staring me in the face. So I, <laughs> so <laughs> not quite- not quite the same experience you had, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I felt it was worth mentioning, whatever that means.
2: No, I mean, there was a few questions um, about, uh, you know, Izzy and um, other things about me tell, talking about the original members of Guns N' Roses. Um, and I said I'd be killed if I... I mean, I literally, I wouldn't, but it's just... It's just I don't want to because I just want to protect people's privacy.
1: and I respect that. And whatever's it's in the a lot of stuff is in the book. Dizzy's in the book, you know, uh, Matt Sorum's in the book who look, I
2: mean Stephen Adler
1: Stephen Adler, but the Matt Sorum thing, and i I, I forgot who I mentioned this uh, to probably was on the air. because we obviously compare you know former members, past members and you know, Adler's quote touch to the drums and and uh, Matt Sorum. So Matt Storm, we always hear he's like a metronome, just like hitting it hard and just going like he's just a machine,
0: hmm. and
1: it just keeps making me, made me think about. Well, that's kind of how he had sex with Roxana. The way that he, she wrote about it was that he was just a metronome <laughs> just
2: like. Oh, bless him. He's, so, he's great. He's lovely. He's lovely. <laughs> so um, now, that's Adler's a good story like a about. What's that? Stephen Adler is like a baby <laughs>
0: Um
2: As he's just very shy, very right. shy. Um, and Axel, yeah. And I'm not going to talk anymore about anyone else because, yeah, I have to be, protect people's privacy. No, so I got it. Are.
1: No, you told us a story about, you know, and I think you answered it uh, about Axel signing your. I'm going to be more of a child than you. He signed your hoo ha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the mat, I, I guess any GNR fans, the matchstorm Storm uh, thing is funny. I'm telling the Dizzy Reed stuff, read from start to finish, you know, make your own decisions uh, on that. doesn't
2: even count. He wasn't even in the original Guns N' Roses. So. <laughs> That's fair. That's he's fair. He's a keyboardist. He's, he's a fucking... He's just, you know... Just a keyboardist? Something. Okay. He's like an extra. He's like oh. an extra.
1: <laughs> I want to get him on the show sometimes, so I can't say that in particular. But, no, he's...
2: Oh, I said it. You didn't say anything. Yeah, so no, i just no, really ca- You I'm know, a... the amount of... is he, You know, his conduct or whatever was abusive, but... That's not um, cool. Very, no, it's not cool. I mean, yeah, I have met, uh, you know, other members of Guns N' Roses um, recently who've been really much nicer to me and sexier too. Mm. So
1: well, I'll say you said this to me off the phone. You said, uh, and it's not. I don't think it's gonna be anything bad. Saying now, and you can tell me it. it's not. Um, you said you really haven't met a, a rock star that's like totally a gentleman. There may be, you know, very various degrees of being nice, uh, but you said probably Dave Grohl, but I've never met him. So I just,
2: oh, no, I've never met Dave. I just thought I, that was funny. I, I, I'm attracted to him in any way at all.
1: Okay, well.
2: He looks like a chipmunk. <laughs>
1: that's fair. That's fair. I could say if it got, I was like, I thought, that's what I wanted to look, I wanted to look like Axel. I'm like, that's a handsome, good-looking man, like him and Johnny Depp. Like, I would try to grow like yeah. my, I wanted to grow my hair like Axel, and my facial hair like Johnny Depp. And that was, like, during, like, my – that's when I read the game. That was during, like, my real depressa, depression phase. And, you know, but. then again, reading your book and reading that you're a nerd and, you know, not having sex until you were 24 and then living mm. that rock star, you know, quote-unquote rock star life. I'm like, oh, I still have time to live my life. Uh, so it all kind of helped me uh, in a weird way. So is there anything else you uh you want to get out there? Um. Where fans? Because I know you're uh, you're big on Twitter, right?
2: Mm, hmm Is it just
1: at yeah. uh, Roxana Shirazi?
2: Um. Yes. Yes. That's correct. And I've got my website too, where there's a lot of my articles. Um. On. I'm going to be really geeky now. Falogo egocentricism, Ku Klux Klan, um, various other stuff that I've written about. Um. How a lot of people in the rock and roll world are Harvey Weinstein's. Um. Just a lot of other things. So, yeah, RoxanaShirazi.co.uk is my website.
1: Yay. Yay, indeed. Uh, Rox- so R- Roxana, this is mean, beyond a pleasure for me. I told you, I read the, like it keep saying it, it's just one of those very things that, in this podcast, which has just been a unique experience for me that someone I either grew up listening to or reading about and then talking to them with this platform. So, it's very cool to, to, to talk to you and, and to quote unquote meet you. You know, you're. You're what I thought you would be. Honestly, uh, I know a lot of people don't think that, but I actually read your book, uh, so you're what I thought uh, you would be, and even if anything nicer. So, uh, as I said before, you're always welcome back, whether it's in person or over the phone. Uh, I want to hear more about your your next book, and of course, any rock star stories that you can share. You know, we obviously, of course, here on
2: the AFD show, want to hear them. Trust me, if I have I, I have a huge rock star story to share, but maybe. In the years to come, I can't right now because I have to protect this person's privacy.
1: Okay. Um, as long as you uh, keep saying privacy like that, I'm okay. I like that. It's not an American thing. It's, I say privacy. I like the word privacy. I'm gonna start saying
2: it. It's English.
1: I, I, hey, <laughs> Fanny means something to you. If Fanny means a vagina That's to you, well, I had no idea. Like what you were talking You said to that that fan, you're like, what kind of joke is that? Is he doesn't have a vagina? <laughs> it was so
2: funny i can't uh, pussy yeah it's like saying pussy you know (laughs) right right so
1: there have been some fun interactions with you and uh, our listeners or and and i liked i did like that some people liked your comment who when someone's like oh her book made izzy seem like a jerk and you're like a jerk is sexual abuse make you a jerk and there are people who were in defense of you so you had some fun interactions with our listeners up until this episode and uh well, I'm sure we'll yeah. have we'll have more in in the in the future. So again, maybe
2: they can up. think of a new title for my book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just my not no, nothing slut related, because that's just I don't know. <laughs> that's you know every episode.
2: brand. We talked a lot about his him having sex with and uh, naming a lot of women he's had sex with. He called his second book, "My Second Book," my book, my bookie book wook too. So <laughs> oh,
1: wait, I, I missed who who said that. Who wrote that?
2: Um, Russell
1: Brand. Ru- <laughs> well, that's Russell Brand. He can. He's allowed to get away with that.
2: That's yeah, like, I know.
1: That, it's that's funny, like. Isn't yeah, it? that's like his send of my bookie wookie too. <laughs> I yeah, don't know
0: funny.
1: maybe you can do it. I don't know, maybe she call it Chinese democracy just to you know fuck with people.
2: <laughs> no, um, you know, Iranian know.
1: Iranian democracy. What about that? No? no, that just sounds stupid. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll edit that part out. Probably not. I
2: might call it my Iranian body. Okay. Or, um, I might call it um, Iranian woman, or I might call it the lonely epileptic. Um, I don't know. I have to just think. Oh, it's so hard.
1: Well, you'll get there. You'll get there. You're, you're a professional. You went to Oxford. I have faith in you. Uh, Thank you very
2: much. <laughs> been a pleasure talking with you
1: oh pleasure has been uh all on this side of the pond I, I guess i could say and uh until next time
2: let's talk soon yeah you got okay darling. take care
1: and there she goes roxana shirazi amazing i mean all these years later it's another you know if i may say another cool moment for me doing this guns and roses podcast and someone who i was a fan of their work uh years ago now i have a platform to to talk to to them and you know, exchange ideas and thoughts and have a cool conversation. So I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode as much as I enjoyed being on it. <laughs> it's my show, I guess. Well, I should say it's our show uh, because I do want to mention the more people you tell about the AFT show, the bigger and better guests that we will have. That's how it works. Uh, that's when people found us after – you know, talking to Scott E, and then they go back and then more episodes and then I'll get inboxes. Hey, you know, what about this person to be interviewed? They may have a contact. So you are involved in making this show. So the best way to spread the word, tell your friends who are like Guns N' Roses, if they're not a GNR fan, they're not your friend. Uh, you should follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, on SoundCloud, iHeart, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, follow, subscribe, leave a review. If we get ranked in the top 150 in iTunes, we're going to be extremely visible, and that's going to mean better shows for you to listen to, and you're involved in the show because I want you to be a guest. I have mentioned this before, and there is a past episode, you may recall, where I interviewed uh, Sir Kevin from Ireland, just a fan. Yes, he is writing a book about GNR and his life, but he's just... You know, uh, he has a local band, local guitar shop. But he's just a normal dude, as he said. You don't have to be Roxana Shirazi, who is a published author. You don't have to be uh, a rock star. You don't have to be Scott Ian. You don't to to be on the show. You have to have a good story, and I want to hear from you. So, if you have a good story about your life that involves, of course, Guns N' Roses, hit me up. Let me know on Facebook and or Twitter, and who knows, maybe you'll be the next episode. And as far as the next episode of The AFD Show is concerned, when will you hear it? Well, in the words of Axl Rose concerning Chinese democracy, well, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it.
0: You've been listening to the distorted minds of Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The AFD Show. mass security, I'm going home.